Father, I just pray that you would speak through me and speak through those of us who are testifying of what you are doing in Iraq. God, we pray for your word to speak to us as well. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, also, too, I didn't even mention it to the sound team, but um, I'm going to show some pictures. If we could not put the camera towards that. Um, and then also, we were, the place we were in in Iraq, uh, I'm not going to give you specific details as far as what city. They didn't want some of those things to be, to be known. So, but <clears throat> this is our, my second time going to Iraq. Went last year with Sarah Coker and, and Isaac Ferraris. Um, we went there for the 100 hours of prayer and worship, the Mesopotamia House of Prayer. And so it was more of an invitation. It's not like anyone can just go because you want to go. It's, it's definitely kind of, you know, under the radar for sure. Uh, but we went last year, and so we went again this year. Uh, this year we took with us um, Lisa Bates, Trey Brennan, uh, Justin Tillinger, uh, Sarah Coker, and uh, Dustin Whitney. And so today we're just going to have Trey, Lisa, and Justin share. Um, Sarah obviously is in North Carolina. Dustin is out on a family vacation, but we do have a really good picture of Dustin that we're going to share. Just don't tell him, okay? Just don't tell him. But going to Iraq, I'm I'm sure many of you are wondering, like, what is it like? Um, I'll tell you this, it's not what you think in your mind. Most of us think, oh, it's probably forsaken. You just, you, you know, my mom, she calls me, why are you going there? That's not a good idea. It's not this forsaken, you know, desolate, no one's there. It's just, you know, deserts and that's it. Although there is, you know, some of that. But um, going there, they have a leadership team of three men. Um, honestly, it's like an eldership model, although they don't use that term. But there's three men who spearhead the work of the ministry. We have, they have one guy who's over the house of prayer. Another man who's over evangelism and outreach, and another one who is over house churches. And so they function together just to see the will of God uh, released in that region. Um, they are an NGO, which means a non-government organization. That's their, their front uh, behind what they do. And so there are actually a lot of refugees who have fled there. The city we were in is actually one of the safer cities in, the, in Iraq. And so there's a lot of refugees uh, in, the, in that area, so they're, you know, working to teach them how to read, write, um, you know, provide some food and services for them, but also they want to share the gospel with them in the love of Christ. And um, something that's really unique there that happened last year that I, I realized is that the love of God uh, being preached over there is really powerful to them. It's really powerful because in their culture, it's really shame-based culture. They really shame you. They, you know, you do something wrong, like they just, you know, push you away. Uh, they can be very kind of, kind of stoic at times. So the love of God was really powerful over there. Um, and so in going, we actually, six of us went. We took 11 um, suitcases. And uh, the airline we flew in, we were able to, um, each of us take two extra bags, and we filled those things up with some goods and some things that the leaders there were asking us to bring. And so we did that. Um, we were able to sow into the ministry there, and, and they had some Egyptians who flew in uh, to Iraq to be a part of this. And so you have a lot of people, not just from America, going to, this, uh, to Iraq for this uh, 100 hours of prayer and worship, but you have people from Egypt, from Iran, from Turkey, from Israel. Uh, the neighboring countries are all flying in uh, and, and being together. And so there's around a, a total of maybe uh, 75, maybe 90 of us there. Uh, plus their local community. <clears throat> but what I wanted to do before I ask um, the crew to come on up is I, I wanted to lay a little bit of framework for what we're talking about here. I want to maybe help us to uh, take a step back and to see God's big picture here. It's easy just to get focused on my life in Lakeland, Florida. I live on Hicks Road and just my family and just, I'm just stuck in my little world. And I think we need to take a step back sometimes and say, God, what are you doing globally? So this morning, that's what it's going to be like. It's not going to really be a personal thing for you. It's going to be, God, what are you really doing? So open up to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, we're going to read verses 11 through 18. We're going to do a little fill-in-the-blank here. I just want to uh, maybe catch anyone up to speed who is not really connected with, um, with God's plan for the whole earth, for every nation. Ephesians 
So Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 18, he says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, making, uh, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So there's a, a phrase in there. It talks about, um, in verse 14, he has made the both one. And that there were two, but now they're one. What is he talking about? Is he talking about there was sin and darkness and light and righteousness, now he's made them both one? No. What's he talking about here? Verse 11, therefore remember that you once Gentiles. So there's one. Gentiles, another word, another way to translate that is to say someone's a, a non-Jew. So us in here who are not Jewish, we are Gentiles. If you look in verse 12, he says you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So he's saying there's Jews, Israel, and then there's Gentiles, there's non-Jews. And what does this passage say that he's done with it? He's made two into one. You guys see it? Okay. Turn with me to Romans 11. Romans 11. We're going we're gonna to go somewhere with all this, so stick with me here. He's made the two one. He's Gentiles and Jews. He's made them one. Let's look at Romans 11, verse 11 through 14. He says again, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Okay, so we see the Gentiles in there at the very first sentence. Who is they? Who is they? Jews, Israel. So he's saying that they stumbled, but it shouldn't be for their fall. No, it should not. Go down to verse 13. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Okay, so Paul is saying, I'm a minister to the Gentiles to save them, to stir them up, in order to provoke Jews to jealousy that they may be saved. But where did he get this from? Go to verse 25 in the same chapter. Here's what he says. He says, I, de I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So Paul is revealing a mystery. He's revealing the plan of God, the will of God to us. Is that Israel in part has been spiritually blinded. The gospel goes out to, gent to all the Gentiles. If you read Acts 15, this is the big dispute. Can Gentiles be saved? That's probably, to me, one of the most important chapters in the book of Acts. Does the gospel just stay with Israel, or does it spread throughout all the nations? And what do they decide? 
the gospel is for the Gentiles as well. And so he, he's saying Israel's blinded in part until the fullness of time comes for the Gentiles. Revival breaking out into, in Gentile nations, they're getting saved, they're encountering the Lord, and then they're being sent to Israel to provoke them to jealousy to help remove their spiritual blindness. This is what the Lord, just taking a step back, bigger picture, God, what are you doing? This is what he's doing. The whole replacement theology of just taking Israel out and just putting the church in, that doesn't work. The Lord, is, it says it in verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. And so here's my point. My point is that God is unifying Gentiles and Jews alike, that we would be one man with them. And that includes other nations as well. And so turn to Isaiah 19. So us going to Iraq, the theme in us going is, is found in Isaiah 19. I want you to turn there with me. We'll look at verse 23 through 25. So you say, Brandon, why did you guys go to Iraq? Well, it's right here, Isaiah 19. And then sometimes I'm like, I still don't know why I went, but that's all right. Verse 23, 24, and 25. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian will come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. In that day Israel will be one of the three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt my people, and Assyria the work of my hands. In Israel, my inheritance. What I think about when I read this passage is that if you think about the history between Israel and Egypt, maybe go read Exodus. It's not a very good history. There is, I would say, divine dysfunction between these two nations. Egyptians enslave the Israelites, and the God of Israel destroys the Egyptians. You look at Assyria, two times in the history of Israel, they take the Israelites captive. Take them from their homeland. And then Isaiah 19 says this. In the midst of all that dysfunction, divine dysfunction, God is saying, I'm going to take Egypt, connect them with Israel, and connect them with Assyria. I'm going to unify a people for me in the midst of all this craziness and all this history. And so... When we went this past, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and they did the same thing last year, is that towards the end they had this time of reconciliation. And so I think, okay, God, I see this scripture, that sounds great, so what are you going to do? Are you literally going to have every single person from the whole nation just walk on over to Israel and Assyria and just kind of hang out together? No. But reconciliation, I'm, I'm believing, here's what it looks like. It looks like people from different ethnic groups getting in a small little room together and reconciling hearts. It doesn't have to be this big global picture. If you're looking on the news waiting for the, you know, the presidents of every country to, to join together, it's not going to happen. I'm going to show you some pictures. It's actually happening in the back room. It's happening in the prayer room. It's happening in homes. It's happening in places that we don't get to see. So we see all this chaos, all this dysfunction, like, dang, this is going, it's, it's not good, it's going down. Nations are warring against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group. We're losing hope. God, what are you going to do? Gosh, things are getting really bad out there. But can I tell you, in, the, in these back rooms, hearts are being reconciled together, ethnic group with ethnic group. Talks about a highway. This is a, they, they, they taught over there, it's a highway of the heart. It's a spiritual highway. God is connecting hearts together. And so um, there was a night, I recall it very, really vividly last year more than this year, but there was a night where they had an Egyptian woman. Um, they were praying right out of Isaiah 19, and they called forth an Egyptian woman, and they called for a Jewish man, and they embrace one another and pray for one another, and they're reconciled to one another on behalf of their nation. They don't have to have everyone from the nation there, but just a representative there. And they brought some people from Syria and from Turkey, 
from Iraq and Iran, every ethnic group, and getting involved, saying, hey, we love one another. We're going to bless each other. We forgive you of your sins towards us. We extend mercy. And, they're, and it's, it's, it's really powerful to be. I'm sitting here and looking, thinking to myself, I'm literally witnessing history. I'm witnessing this age-old prophecy come to fulfillment. He's just doing it. And it, honestly, it gives me hope for our nation. All the racial tension here, it gives me hope that God will do it here too. But let me tell you, you won't see it on the news. You will not see it on the news. And I, I realized how hopeless I was. That's one thing coming back from this trip that I want to uh, leave with you. The one thing I came back within my heart from this trip was hope. It really was. It was hope. That if God, if you can do it over there, I mean, the, the, the dysfunction between these nations is so much deeper than the issues we have here. If you can do it there, God, you can do it in our nation. But I'm convinced that it's just, it's, like I said, like I already said, it's going to happen in a side room where no one sees it. There's not going to be all these cameras in there. They're not going to video it and YouTube it and Facebook it. It's going to be people reconciling hearts together, forgiving one another. And, and you know, though, there's a spiritual transaction that happens. Jesus says, where two or more gather, there I am. There's something that happens in the spirit realm when we begin to do that. But what we do is we minimize it. Oh, it's not that big a deal. I won't make it, it won't make a big difference. Ah, they'll, do it, they'll do it over there. Don't worry about it here. No, the Lord is calling us to do these things. No matter how small your assignment is. I always say this. We all play small roles in God's big picture. Do you believe that? Or are you waiting for your big role? Because if you are waiting for your big role, guess what? You'll never have it. And you'll never do the work of the Lord. Because you're waiting for this big thing to happen when really we all play small roles in God big, God's big picture. My brother in coaching basketball, he told the players all the time, he said, little things make big things happen. So I'm, I'm convinced. I'm sold out. Lord, I'm doing the little things. I'm not looking for the big things anymore. Because I waste my time looking and I don't find anything. And so I come back with hope. I come back with confidence, with encouragement that Jesus Christ is building his church. He is building his church. But I think you will, you will have to get off of social media in order to see it. I'm saying I, that's the, those are the two things that come to mind. Like he's building his church, but you have to get disconnected from all this news, all this social media, all this stuff. I mean, we're more connected with what God is not doing than what he's is, what he is doing. I mean, we go around the room, we can say God's not doing this and he's not doing that. And blah, blah, blah. Well, brother, can you tell me what he is doing? Revelation, it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, meaning they actually had a testimony about God. It wasn't just when they got saved 50 years ago. Today, there's a testimony in my mouth for God. So I'm, I'm telling you, I have hope. I know that's probably like a, a weak word, a wishy word, but I have hope in my heart that Jesus is going to continue to build his church. Here's how I'll put it. When you think about the, the, the Middle East, what you're going to see is a hard outer shell. The hard outer shell is the Matthew 24, wars and rumors of war. Nation rising up against nation. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes. Isaiah 60, verse 2, it says this, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a deep darkness the people. Joel 2 he says, I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and coming day of the Lord. So there's a dark outer shell. No hope. It's a desolate land. It's forsaken. There's, people are dying. It's just totally chaotic. Now, there, there is some of that. I'm not saying there's none of that and it's just peace and, you know, a happy land. There is some of that for sure. But if you break past the outer shell, 
and you look inside there, there's a great pearl. There is a great pearl, and it's called the gospel. Matthew 24, it also says this, along with those same verses of wars and rumors of war. It says, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Isaiah 60, another verse there says, arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Joel 2 also says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men. Dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. My men, and also on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's the pearl in there. Break past the news, the outer shell of all this stuff. Look in there and there's a pearl and they're preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. People are getting saved. It's crazy. Over there, the Lord, this literally shows up in people's rooms. A lot of the Muslims are converted because they're, they wake up and they see this man, eyes burning like fire, hair white like wool. They don't know who he is until they meet a Christian and say, hey, I had this encounter. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Jesus. <laughs> but it, re it really is happening. And so I, when we first got there, I talked to this uh, a Chinese man. Even this is, you know, prophetic. A Chinese man, him and his family and some of his friends are living in Israel. They felt called by the Lord to move to Israel and to start a house of prayer. Again, big picture. That's a Gentile provoking a Jew. But he, he, they moved there, and um, they're starting the house of prayer, and it's been going for some time. And so I asked him, I said, hey, what is the hand of God doing? Tell me what the hand of God is doing over here. And he says, you know, brother, it's quite amazing. He says, uh, you, you're seeing a lot of um, people from other countries moving and coming to Israel, and they're preaching the gospel to the, to the Jews. He says, what's interesting is this, is that there's no one leading it. He said, God is just showing himself to people, and he's putting it in their heart. As they read the Bible, they develop this love for Israel and Jewish people. And he says they're going there and they're preaching the gospel. And he's like, we're there with the house of prayer, and we're seeing these things unfold. And I'm, I'm talking to him, I'm thinking, man, that's literally Romans 9, 10, and 11. Gentiles are provoking Jews to jealousy. And he's like, that's it. That's what's happening. And then before we left, um, we were leaving on a Saturday, and this happened on a Friday. Uh, Baghdad, their capital, the capital of Iraq, they were, there was a revolt, almost like, pretty much a civil war. And they were calling for um, five million people to come and protest against the government to have them step down. <clears throat> and they were saying this was primarily led by young people, youth and young adults. And they're calling for all these people to come and gather and they want to demand for the government to literally step down. And so that happened on the Friday. And around 30 were killed. Thousands were injured. Around 2 million showed up to this thing. And so to this day, the government over Baghdad actually stepped down. And the police were actually with the people. And so, again, there's a hard outer shell. But the very next day... Uh, and we got some messages. You'll see a picture of this. But the, the next, within the next couple of days, uh, leaders and Christian leaders and people gather together in this small room to begin to pray and contend for God to break in and the gospel to be preached to these people. They saw this as an opportunity. Wow, two million people coming to this place. What should we do? Should we hide? Should we just kind of wait until it kind of passes by, then we'll, we'll see what's left? No, they're gathering together to pray and to get ready to share the gospel, praying for God to break into the situation. That's what it looks like. Can I, I mean, because there's this idea that, that what we do has to be this grand big thing that everyone has to see it, everyone has to know it. Most of this stuff no one sees and no one knows. I mean, I'm hoping this is encouraging you. That like the conversations you have at work, sharing the gospel, that matters. I know we're not going to play it on the TV screen and, and you know, do a little docu documentary. We're not going to do that. 
But it really matters. It really does. Encouraging one another, blessing one another. Those little moments, those little things make big things happen in your life. And they matter to God. If I could have the team begin to, to make their, their way up here. And so um, I want the team just to share um, what really impacted them. I know for me in my second year going there, uh, something that I was able to focus on was to strengthen relationships with some of the leaders there. Uh, and so I spent some time doing that, and that was really great. But um, I want to uh, give the team an opportunity to share um, whatever the Lord did in them. It doesn't matter. It was something, guys. It's really hard. You know, they say over there, the director of the House of Prayer said, I said, what can we do? What can we do? And he said, please take this back. Please tell, please tell people. Something that I think really um, stirred in my heart to have this desire to go was that I heard someone say before, in the Bible, in the scripture, we have the story and the promises of Jesus coming, don't we? The first time when he came as a baby to be on the earth. And we're really familiar with that first coming. And then we have the stories about the man who came and who he was and what he did and the impact that his life had when he was here. And we're really familiar with that story too. But there's this other stuff in there that's all about the man who's coming back. And how have we really connected to those prophetic words like the Isaiah 19 highway? What is he going to look like when he comes back? And are we really invested in connecting with that story? Because that's part of who he is. Rightly do we love him. Rightly do we love him. I just generally like to talk. And I do want to say, too, this 100 hours, it wasn't like randomly 100 hours. It was consecutive hours. It was night and day house of prayer. Now, when I just said what I just said, that I like to talk, don't get me wrong. I didn't finish the sentence. I don't generally like to read stuff, but I did a lot of journaling over there, and I felt like reading some of this to you might actually give you a good idea. And my, my words on the trip home were that it could take hours of quiet, hours to even try to journal the impressions, the lessons, the words, the encounters, the prayers. And this journal isn't even written sensibly because all I could do, it, every moment was so impactful. All I could do was try to capture the bits of scripture and the prophetic song as it came to me, as he spoke to me and was speaking to the others in the room without disengaging from the flow, Jesus said, or Isaiah said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. I take that in building that house of prayer corporately, and I also, for me personally, it means building the house of prayer here that is at heart of the Father. It's both. In Isaiah 56, 7, Jesus said, all these I will bring into my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, their offerings and their sacrifice will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And we just, we have this vision of this American story of what we experience in our house of prayer and even here as a body. But God's got such a bigger vision, like Brandon said. And this is what I saw in Iraq. I saw Syrians and Turks who have been taught from birth to hate each other and to hate each other's nations and to hate the Jews. I saw them all standing and kneeling before our God and one another in repentance They were confessing sins and heart attitudes that had been present for generations. This is the enemy trying to kill and steal and destroy. And they were forgiving each other. They were asking forgiveness and they were granting forgiveness. And then they were embracing in tears on their knees and making declarations of unity in Christ This is what we saw in this little room before the people there from all the nations. And then what God would do is he would like drop this joy bomb into the room 
And then, I mean, there would be all of this intense stuff happening, and then the joy would break out, and it was just, it was incredible. Thankful praise and spontaneous eruption of love. Hang on, I'm going to back it up here. So, it was for me, it was bigger than just our lives. And what I, what I thought when I went there, you know, I'm an intercessor. I've been praying for a long, long time, and I've been praying and been willing to step out into spiritual warfare. And I've taken those weapons of warfare that are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds and the, the armor and the weapon that he gives us, the word of God. And I kind of had this idea that we were going to engage in this intense spiritual warfare. And what was that going to look like? I fit, kind of figured it was going to be pretty intense and pretty exhausting for 100 consecutive hours. I was a little bit surprised as, at what happened there because there was spiritual warfare, but it didn't look like battle. It looked like love. Doesn't the Bible say that love covers a multitude of sins and that perfect love casts out fear? These people have been taught to fear and hate each other, and in this little room, they were loving each other. They were casting that fear aside, and they were loving each other. It was so intense, and what Jesus did he just brought these random people, and he, he taught them to love. His love was so present in that room, they couldn't hate because the love was there. He was there. He was working among them. The word of God was being spoken, and it was being sung. You guys, the worship was so beautiful. It was beautiful. So I think that was my takeaway was love. The other thing that happened, and I wasn't necessarily going to share this today, but because of what just happened in worship, um, and what God spoke through the prophetic word that he released over our body that you have in your bulletins. I'm going to share with you a, a, an encounter that I had with the Lord that lasted about two and a half hours one day. And there weren't a lot of people in the room. And I have very wrinkly pages in this journal because of the tears. I'm a, my, my heart's cry is to have more time with him in the secret place, to connect with him as husband and bridegroom, to be hours, you know, hours of dedicated time or days of dedicated time. I dream of running away to a place where it can just be me and him for days to connect and to hear his voice because it's hard to hear in the midst of all of the other voices around. And one day I was sitting on this little pad in the floor and I was really connecting with him. I was hearing him. And he very gently said to me, Lisa, I brought you halfway around the world to my land to answer the cry of your heart. Because I know how much you want this time. And I want it even more than you do. And he literally was willing to bring me there to quiet my soul in that worshipful place, and to hear his voice. It broke my heart when he then said to me, the only thing that's really standing between this, me and you, at home, is this little piece of paper that you call your to-do list. And again, there was no condemnation. It was all said in love. It was about the cry of my heart. But I think that's a word for you guys and a lot of you here too. He's willing to go to such lengths for us to find that secret place and to stay in it. And it's hard work, but it's so worth it. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. Rightly do we love him. So I share that with you just because I think that it's a, a, a thing that we all can struggle with. He, he grieves. He grieves to see the desire and this desire of our hearts hindered by a little piece of paper. He just wants to be near our heart. He said, I just want to be near your heart. I just want to be where you are. He was singing the answer of the cry of my heart back through me in this worship team. I would be in the midst of this experience with him, and I would hear the song, and I would realize he's singing his answer over me. It was beautiful, but I had to quiet my soul to hear it. So that's my encouragement. Brandon's takeaway was hope, 
Mine is love. <laughs> it was an honor. It was an honor. And we appreciate the prayer and the support from all of you that sent us. So on this trip, uh, the Lord uh, stretched me in a lot of ways. And then on the way back, uh, Brandon said we're going to be speaking, which I'm fine with playing guitar in front of a bunch of people. But uh, talking in front of people is a little different. So Lord's like, I'm going to stretch you some more. <laughs> so this was um, a first time and a few things for me. It was the first time I've been uh, out of the country, but it was also my first plane trip. So that was pretty cool. It was uh, 13 hours for the first trip. So. Other than being cramped, it was pretty fun. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected at all. It's like, you know, I guess I've been too Americanized, I guess you could say. Um, you think about, I think of Iraq, and I think of, you know, dirt roads and, you know, brick buildings and stuff like that. And it actually was a lot more built up and everything than I thought, and the people were a lot different than I thought. Um, the biggest thing that I noticed um, was the people are so hospitable. They just, they like love you. And um, we were at a, um, a restaurant and there was a couple there and they, uh, they were having a birthday party. And they brought out this really extravagant, really nice cake and they literally cut the cake in half and brought it to our table and, uh, and shared it with us. And I just thought that was, that was awesome. And it just showed me that the, the people there just have a love, and they have love within them, you know, and they, uh, they want to share that, um, and then, uh, so when we were in the prayer room, um, that was another thing that was stretching, because I, I mean, I, I play here at the house of prayer and everything, but, um, I'm sitting here thinking, kind of like Lisa was saying, like, wow, 100 hours of prayer, that's going to be, you know, nonstop, and we did the night shift, so we were, like, usually from, what, 8 o'clock to, Six in the morning, we were going in and out of the prayer room pretty much all night. So, um, but it really wasn't—it it really wasn't as laboring as what I thought it would be. It was more—it um, was amazing to be in the presence of the Lord that long. Um, never experienced anything like that. Never had an entire week to just go and just be in His presence and seek after Him. And not seek after him for us, but for a nation, for a different people group, and put us out of the way and just go after that. Um, and then the, a scripture verse that, so I was sitting there praying, and the Lord brought up a couple of scripture verses. And one is Luke 15, 4 through 7. And I kept hearing that in my spirit. I opened my Bible, and it says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found that sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then he relayed me to the same, same parable in Matthew. And I just realized that this is a, a people group that the Lord, his heart aches for. It's a people group that they are the lost sheep and that he is going after them. So it was amazing to be able to go over there and to play a small part um, in just praying for those people and praying for their souls, praying for salvation um, and for the Lord to be the Lord of that land. Um, the coolest thing I saw, I think, the, the biggest thing like Lisa was saying was just all these ethnic groups, all these, you got Israelis and Egyptians and Syrians and just people from everywhere coming together and worshiping the Lord and the love that they had for each other. It was more than just, um, it, it wasn't just words. You could literally see the love in their eyes. You could see the forgiveness, you could see um, the hope they had in the Lord to, you know, restore a love and the, the hatred that was pulled away.
And then the another cool thing that um, for me, which was awesome, other than the Lord um, stretching me a lot in a lot of different ways, um, was one night we uh, she was talking about like a joy bomb went off, and um, Dustin was Ju- Dustin and Justin was leading the set, and um, I just got done playing the set before and went up to the room and then came back, and literally it was like. I mean, the joy of the Lord fell in the place. People were dancing all over the place, and just, it was amazing. And this was like, what, 2 o'clock in the morning? And this is, so it's normal for us, because we're on our time, but these are people like, this is like the middle of the night for them, you know, most people are sleeping. And um, so we get up there and start playing, and then people from other teams start coming up there and playing, and we had a guy from Egypt playing drums, another guy from the Netherlands playing the cajon, um, a guy from Germany playing bass, and it was just like, yeah, a violin player. I think she's from Nashville. Don't forget, just, I was I was singing too. And Brandon did sing. Don't forget that. You know, so I'm trying out for the worship team. He played the drum too. It was pretty good. He was, he was yeah, he's got the rhythm. <laughs> uh, but it was just amazing. It it really reminded me of um, what heaven will look like when we're there. And we're all together. It doesn't matter where we're from. Just worshiping the Lord. And uh, it, that's probably the biggest thing that I took away from this trip was um, love brings unity. And when you're focused on the Lord and when you're all in one mind and one accord and you're going after him for one purpose, then it's just it's a beautiful thing. It's, there's nothing else that can describe that. So Awesome. And then Justin, Justin, it's unique for Justin because his dad's um, full Turkish, so Justin's half Turkish. And so going there, obviously, with some of the issues going on with Turkey right now, um, they actually told us to, uh, to not wear any type camo outfits because as Trump pulled the troops uh, out of the Middle East, a lot of the people there were upset. Um, and it came out in the form of like they're upset and angry, but really it's because they actually like respect us and that when we were there, there was safety and protection. But as he was pulling the troops for them, it, there's a possibility for ISIS and uh, some of those regimes to get back into the land. And so, but for Justin, it was, it was re- really unique there just because like that's where he came from. You know, we were in the Turkey airport for a couple hours and a lot of the Turks came down there as well. So for him, it was really special. So I just wanted to make note of that. Yeah, was, um, so I want to kind of give you a, a brief, like, backstory on my life. Um, growing up, um, I think my, my father left. My mom's here. She knows best. But I think my father left when I was eight months old, somewhere around then. Um, so I never knew my father, um, but he was, he was Turkish. And um, so I just kind of grew up. You know, I don't want to say fatherless, but without that, that father figure in my life. And um, as I got older, um, you know, I knew my, my real father was from Turkey, um, but I, I just never, I never thought about him. I didn't concern myself with, like, that's part of who I am. I, I'm just like, I'm an American. It's just who I am. I'm just American. I don't have anything to do with over there. Um, once I got out of high school, or actually, yeah, anyways, that's another story. Um, I ended up going to the military. We won't go there. Um, I ended up going to the military, um, and I ended up in Afghanistan for a year. So once I went over there, it, it, was, it was an interesting experience, like being in this country way on the other side of the world where it, it kind of is like mud huts and dirt roads and uh, people very, very poor. Um, you know, they just, they have nothing like we have. Like, there's just nothing. Um, and when you come back here, you really, truly appreciate what we have here uh, in America and, and the things that God has graced us with. Uh, I, I, think, I think everyone, if you could, just to get away to a place like that where you can, your eyes can be open to like, wow, look what God does in my daily life. 
Look at, look at the blessings I have. Like, we have the freedom to worship our king. Uh, we have the freedom to just go and get whatever job we want. There, I mean, there's literally people over there picking up rocks and, and moving them all day long, and that's, that's all they do. And, you know, uh, so just being over there, um, I thought I kind of knew what it was going to be like for me going to Iraq. I'm like, you know, I've kind of been over there. Um, you know, Iraq's probably the same. Um, but it, it totally wasn't. Iraq was, uh, it was very more modernized. Um, and it, it really seemed like the people there looked towards America. Like, it, it's very uh, Americanized, like the influence there. Um, they, you know, they selling pizza and hamburgers and, and like all these things that kind of blew me away. Like, uh, some of their cars, I'm seeing like F-150s driving down the road and like chargers and all that. I'm like, bro, they got these over here? I mean, like, in Afghanistan, you wouldn't even see a car before the 1970s. So it was, it was pretty awesome um, to see um, the country there, and, and it's beautiful, and the people are beautiful. Um, but I, going to this trip, I, I wasn't quite sure. I, I, yeah, you know, I'm sure you all know, like, I sing on the worship team. I'm like, yes, Lord, I know I'm going there uh, to worship and pray, but I know that each one of us knew, like, there's a divine appointment there's a divine assignment for each one of us as we go. Why are we here? You know, there's six of us. What, why are you calling me to the other side of the earth? And um, as I was there, you know, through the first few days, I began to see the Lord is opening my eyes to this is who you are. This is your bloodline. And uh, I just begin to feel like this is a part of who I am. And he had to bring me there. And even, as Brandon said, coming through Turkey, uh, you know, I used to just, I didn't really associate myself with, with them. Um, but from being there, the Lord put this love in my heart for these people. Like, this is in my bloodline. I'm from here. You know, and, and as I prayed, when I was in the prayer room praying for these countries, there was something else in me that rose up as mm -hmm. I began to pray yeah. that was different when I prayed here. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, you know, I, Brandon was hope, Lisa was love, Trey was, you know, he saw the unity in people, and, and I feel like my place there was just like destiny, like it's not necessarily I feel like the Lord's calling me to like live there or something like that, but it's like the Lord had to bring me there to show me I am your father. Yeah. And your bloodline, you know, you've you've your blood comes from over here. Like you you have relation here. Like you can connect with these people and like when you love these people, there there's something different when someone from Turkey, you know, goes to one of these other all the all the nations that are so closely touching each other it's like there's so much hate you know it's not like America and Canada or Mexico where you know we can go over and hang out and you know most of us you know we, we enjoy each other's company over there they really hate each other and they kill each other um, so when, when being in a place like that where the different people groups come together in this one room and we're all in unity singing the praises of God my eyes were open to like what like what what Trey was saying like in the end when we see him come we will all be unified and, and bow our knee before the king and say Lord you are God yeah. and it was yeah. just so beautiful what happened in that room uh, there was a, a Jewish man from Israel and a man from Syria um, and they they both spoke one night and it was, it was the most touching thing because these two people who come from these two different people groups who were taught to hate each other. I mean, literally, they grew up in school and, and they were taught this is the enemy. 
you know, they, they're not even allowed to like exchange phone numbers. They're not allowed to talk on social media, anything like that. And um, to see them in the prayer room with their arms around each other, praying for each other's countries and, and their people. And I mean, I was just broken in tears, like only you, Lord, only you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was just so special. Uh, I just want to read one thing I wrote in my journal. I don't write a lot, but I was was just so moved while I was there. It says, here I am in Iraq, a land I thought I would never see, surrounded by a people I've never known. Only you, Lord, have placed me here. My heart is overwhelmed with love for what my eyes have seen and my ears have heard. People of Israel, Syria, Egypt, Turkey, Germany, America, and Iraq all singing the praises of God. This is one of the most precious things I have ever experienced. My soul is so full of joy, holding hands with my brothers and sisters from all over the world, lifting up the name of our Lord Jesus. No words can express how honored I am to be here and be a part of what the Lord is doing here in the Middle East, where time began. And then I want to read uh, Psalms 116 and 117 and just kind of uh, bring everything together of, of, I think, what we all experienced over there. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unweary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the dead of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people, in the courts of his house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. One other thing I want to leave leave you with but, um, before I'm done is uh, about four and a half months ago, uh, I, I went through uh, just this crazy health issues. Um, those, those of you who are close to me know uh, I've, in the past four months, I've been to the ER five times. Uh, thought I was having heart attack. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Never, I've never experienced anything like it in my entire life. I've never been ill, never had any issues. And uh, I really, for a long period of time, was, was wondering, am I going to make this trip? I mean, I'm in the hospital all the time, like, feels like my heart's about to stop. I was in so much fear some nights. I literally, while my wife was at work, I called Trey to come stay the night with me in my house because I was so scared. I thought I was literally going to die. And um, about a week and a half before we were scheduled to leave for the trip, uh, I, I had like another, it's almost like anxiety and fear and confusion and a blurry vision. And like all these weird symptoms would hit me all at once. I'm like, man, I got to go back to the ER. Like something's wrong with my heart. That's, that's what I kept thinking. I'm like, man, something's wrong with my heart. And um, went back to the ER and the doctor was like, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't see anything wrong, all your tests, and that's the same thing they'd say every time. Your tests come back right, nothing's wrong, we don't see anything. 
And, um, you know, I thought for sure, I'm like, man, something's wrong with my heart, so I'm going to call them and tell them I'm not going on this trip. Well, when the doctor said that, it was like just, I was like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this no more. I'm just going to go. The Lord's called me to go. And as soon as the doctor walked out the room, my wife, Kara, she looked at me and she said, I think you should go. And uh, right then and there, there was like a peace that came over me. And I knew, I'm like, Lord, I'm going on this trip. I said, the devil's not going to stop me. I know you have something divine for me. And uh, he did. And honestly, since I've been on this trip, I haven't had these symptoms. I've been free. Um, so I just want to encourage you all this morning. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. I don't understand it. I don't understand it, and I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, Lord, I trust you. So just be encouraged this morning and fulfill what he's calling you to do. Amen. Let's give it up for the team. Awesome. Real quick, so I want to go through the slideshow. Um, I may tell you to pause it at a few moments, but there's our team in one of the Iraqi cars. Okay, pause this one. So you guys see what's going on? You got D Dustin uh, to the, your left and Trey, and Lisa's in the far right. So <clears throat> we're driving to Miami. We just got in the van. We're driving to Miami to go on this trip. So we're like, hey, let's take, you know, next five, ten minutes. Let's pray. So, you know, Sarah, fiery, she's like back there just the intercession, just got a break in. Uh, Lisa jumps in there. She's praying. And it's probably been like six to seven minutes. And I'm driving, and I look to my right, and I see Dustin just. <laughs> and I was thinking, there's no way this man is asleep. No way. We're here praying. Like, we're about to go to Iraq. You better get fired up. And, uh, yeah, he was asleep. And so I'm driving, and I lay my hand on him and said, Lord, just pray a spirit of prayer over Dustin right now. And he jumps up, and he said he was, it was the most embarrassing moment for him on the trip, he said. So next one. It was great. There's a picture of the city there. Here's our team. That's the night where the joy broke out. That's the prayer room in there. There's Sarah leading one of the sets. That's actually uh, Lou Engel's daughter on the bottom right. That's what the prayer room looked like. All the people in there. It's another angle. There's that pizza with some bread and hummus at the top left. Paul's, so this is the, the Citadel. I wasn't able to make it in there, but I think, uh, Trey, was that you? Justin um, went to the Citadel, which is basically the, like, kind of the epicenter of the city we were in. Um, so it's a really cool, cool place. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Okay, Paul's here. So they didn't share this story today. Dustin probably would have, but there was a, they sent some teams out to prayer, uh, to pray and walk around the city. And so this is down in the Citadel. <clears throat> and so uh, Justin and Dustin went, and they were down there with some other people uh, praying and doing worship. And uh, one of the leaders said, yeah, you know, like, you can sing, you know, song. We can pray for healing. So interpreter you know interprets or whatever and they say hey we want to uh, pray for healing in Jesus name and there's around you know a hundred people or so just kind of sitting around and hanging out and uh, a guy stands up and he, he's infuriated and he starts you know speaking in his dialect it was a Muslim guy um, but literally causes a rift comes down from the steps and gets you know kind of in their faces the mili two military guys come up and try to like calm the dispute or whatever but uh, one guy out of you know a couple hundred people 
you know, basically shut down um, the, the, peop- the believers praying for healing in Jesus' name. So... They do have a lot of sandstorms. I think this picture was from last year, but sandstorms are pretty common over there. This is some of the pizza I had last year that we didn't have this year. It's really good. Pause this. This is a really powerful picture. Um, if you can see in the far right of the picture is a whale. So uh, Mosul, uh, modern-day Mosul is uh, first century, uh, or Old Testament, that's um, Nineveh. And so you see, you know, it's like a, it's a prophetic picture of Jonah and the whale, but you see the people coming from the whale, and they're just praying for um, the Lord to break in in Mosul because uh, to this day there are no Christian uh, churches there in Mosul because it's, um, it's, there's so much oppression there. Uh, but the team, um, the leaders in Iraq, they were able to establish, they're beginning to establish a prayer room there in Mosul. So that's really, it's a big moment for them there. You can keep going. They were praying for the, the kids. There were different topics throughout the intercession set, so we're praying for the kids during that. Pause this. And so this is the prayer room in Baghdad. So as I, the story I said earlier, as all the you know, corruption and the, the civil war in Baghdad, this is the prayer room they had within a couple of days after all that going down. So there's, you know, uh, church leaders, there's just believers in there. Uh, they're just contending for God to break in. So this is what it looks like. Reconciliation looks like that in a small room, not this TV, you know, big, big room or whatever. So keep going. Oh, is there sound on there? Awesome. Yeah, so that was the the night of joy that really broke out um, out of nowhere. It wasn't really planned. But the way I want to close is this. So um, as an eldership team, we've been talking and praying into and just trying to seek the will of God uh, for our community. And um, we haven't made any kind of decisions yet, but we do want to, as a church body, just begin taking missions trips and opening it up to uh, people here, part of our body, to go and do the work of the Lord. Um, we don't have any set places yet. We don't really have a you know divine plan or anything like that, but that is our heart's desire is to take those of you who feel called to partner with this, who feel called to actually go. Uh, some of you sow financially, some of you pray, uh, and then some of you go. And so we just want to uh, maybe uh, create a way where we can give expression to uh, people fulfilling the will of God for, them, for their lives. Uh, then the last thing I just wanted to do, though, was to, if you feel called to missions, could you stand? If you feel called as someone that is supposed to go, Um, I want to take this last moment uh, to pray with you guys. Could we, could we all stand? Could you find someone that's, raise your hand if you're standing right now. Okay, keep your hand raised. Could we all stand, find someone, let's circle around them, and let's, we're going to take a couple minutes just to pray for these, these ones who feel called to missions, who feel called to go out into the nations. It could be permanently, it could be trips, whichever one. You have a prayer language, you can just begin to pray in the Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your calling. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your will. God, we just pray for these ones who are standing with their hands raised. Lord, we pray your anointing would come upon them. God, we pray that you would speak to them where you are sending them. God, we pray that you would provide for them where you are sending them, Lord. God, we pray that you would uh, fill them with love and peace, Lord, that you would deliver them of fear, God, fear of, of, of harm, God, or even fear of lack. But, Lord, would you fill them with hope and confidence and love? 
God, we pray for their eyes to see where you are sending them, God. We thank you that they will be a blessing, God, to many people wherever they go. Lord, we pray for the strength in their hands and in their feet to walk out your will and to perform your tasks that you have called them to do, Lord. God, we bless them. God, I pray the blessing that's on this house would rest upon their shoulders. God, would you stir them? Would you provoke them, God? Would you cause them to begin to pray even right now before they go to where they are sent to? Lord, would you give them a divine vision? God, would you give them divine provision? Lord, would you have your way in their life? God, we pray for their families. God, we pray for their, uh, their children's uh, if they have children, we pray for them that they would be grafted into this call too, Lord, that this call would pass on to their children's children, Lord. Would you anoint them, God? Would you put your grace upon them, Lord? God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's it for this morning. We love you guys. Hope you were encouraged. Hope you were blessed. Um, we'll see you guys next week.